0: time now know how much I love the discipline and the privilege of preaching. I love the study, the prayer, the reflection. I love the process of placing the appointed lectionary texts in conversation with every encounter I have during the week prior to my Sunday in the pulpit. And for the most part, although there is plenty of wrestling with the texts, facing squarely into the complexities and challenges of the scriptures, committing the words to paper in the drafts of a sermon is not usually at issue for me, except a very few times. And my friends, this week was one of those times. I have found myself struggling, struggling to find words to express ideas, thoughts, but more truthfully, feelings. Struggling to go deeper with the texts themselves and live into the more significant message of the texts for this time and season of our lives. Or rather, may I confess, The challenge of this week has been and continues to be living into the more significant message of the text for this time and season of my life, right here, right now. Oh friends, there is a lot going on and a lot ongoing, as you can imagine, as Martha and I prepare to take our leave from our home here in San Antonio and depart for the East Coast destination of Wilmington, Delaware. It has been a week. So as Wednesday approached for the midweek Eucharist for which I was responsible, it was interesting to me that I was peaceful and prepared to celebrate and offer a homily on selected texts on Wednesday, but still not a word for today. Erica teases me and she says, it's not in my inbox yet. And it wasn't. I kept asking myself, what is going on? As I offered my homily on Wednesday, primarily focusing on two texts, the call of Samuel and Psalm 46, I found myself speaking out loud what I was feeling. Samuel's call, as you know, happens in relationship, in close relationship, And proximity to Eli three times Samuel makes the mistake thinking that he's heard Eli calling him and it had been the Lord and I began to understand more deeply than before that discernment of vocation discernment of any significance can only happen in the context of community and relationship Right relationship Samuel needs Eli And Eli continues in that role of mentor, coach And spiritual director As Samuel becomes aware that it is the voice Of the Lord who is calling him And Psalm 46 begins with these words God is our refuge and strength A very present help in trouble Well, it didn't exactly feel like trouble at all this week, but I was feeling a sense of dis-ease. And later, persons also attending this midweek service heard the words that conclude that psalm, be still then and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. As I was reflecting with the two persons who attended the midweek service, I became more and more aware that I was not in that place of stillness. In point of fact, my head and my heart were each so distracted, so filled to overflowing, a sense of feeling untethered, really. My head and my heart were moving in two very different directions. It felt precarious to me I attempted to be prayerful but I really wasn't and I certainly wasn't attentive I was not listening to the assurances of my faith and I found myself even resisting the command be still then and know that I am God it seemed impossible perhaps you know something of how that feels in your own life when your head and your heart are not connected. When what goes on in your head is filling you with such anxiety, you know, because you love the people that you're caring about, or you're fearful for those you love, or you're grieving in your life. And perhaps you know firsthand what the impact is when your head occupies too much space, too many thoughts, words, agendas, to do's that simply and powerfully paralyze you. And then as your heart feels to overflowing with a whole host of feelings with you, sometimes it's sometimes very hard to name those feelings. You find yourself really struggling in a place. And for one, like myself, who is charged with the responsibility of climbing into a pulpit on Sunday and saying something, Hopefully, somewhat meaningful. It's a paralyzing and kind of terrifying place to be. It's no wonder we find ourselves confused and disoriented and even anchorless at times in our life when the spiritual discipline of being still and knowing that God is God, not me, not you, we're not in control. And it's not that we're asking God to be in control either. But as followers of Jesus Christ, we believe that God is with us on the path, even when we're confused or untethered. That still small voice, that still small and compassionate voice of the divine always speaks a word of reassurance and hope if we but trust and listen. And it is from that place of trust and of stillness and certainly of hope that we consider the first lesson from the prophet Isaiah. Sometimes it's a struggle getting to the place of trust and stillness, is it not? But God is there with us even in that kind of a mess. The first reading today from the prophet Micah, seems at first to be about a tense, tense courtroom scene, about, is about as intense as it gets. And we hear this, Plead your case before the mountains. Hear the controversy of the Lord, for the Lord has controversy with his people. Well, that doesn't seem like good news. I can almost see it cast as a stage production. Lights go low except for the bright light shining on the Lord as he is testifying against his people. It felt, and I'm going to date myself here, felt a little bit like Perry Mason. Some of you will not know at all what that reference is. But we hear the Lord remind the people of all that he has done for them, even as they remain unfaithful to the covenant that the Lord has made with them. A covenant, a covenant of love, not a contract. A contract is, if you do this, then I'll do that. What we are talking about here in covenantal relationship is one that is rooted and grounded only in love and trust. Very, very different from this and that. We hear the Lord reminding the people that never once have I abandoned you to your wayward and unfaithful ways. Never once have I rejected you. I have continued to deliver you time and time again, even in your own disobedience and when what befell you were the consequences of your own evil and malicious ways. Like us, the people of Israel are confronted with the consequences of their own disobedience and unfaithfulness. All right, already, the people of Israel begin to think. Maybe a few additional sacrifices will assuage the Lord's anger and we humans begin to think that way, don't we? Maybe if I just give a little more. Maybe the anger will subside. Wait, Lord, I will make it up to you, I promise. But of course, we never really do. There seems to be a deafening silence as we steal ourselves, like the people of Israel, for a guilty verdict. We wait for the Lord to condemn us and abandon us to the consequences of our own unfaithfulness and stubbornness. But the lights go out completely and it is dark and it is silent. This courtroom scene even intensifies in the midst of that. And we await the Lord's assignment of justice in the face of our own sinful deeds, much like Israel did as well. Well, that's how I have lived at particularly difficult circumstances in my life. When I know for certain that my actions, either intended or unintended, have an impact on others and upon myself that are less than holy, I simply wait for the proverbial other shoe to drop. Have there been times in your life when you are convinced of your own guilt and in that painful moment make of the divine judge? jury, and executioner. As I approach the text from the prophet Micah, it seems all too easy to get caught up in the drama of the courtroom scene and to lose sight of the deeper, more final, most loving message that the divine offers us in this text. But if we are not still, and if we do not listen and trust we will miss that deeper message and the love that the divine desires to give us. I believe that this courtroom scene is one of human construction. It is made of human fear, of human judgment, and human sinfulness. We expect to be convicted because we would convict ourselves. And we, would convict others, and sometimes we actually do. We wait for the conviction, we stand ready to take it, but my friends, it never comes, and it doesn't come in this text either. The words that do come are words of reassurance, not conviction, words of remembrance, not condemnation, words of compassion, not damnation. The truth is that in the face of sinfulness and unfaithfulness, the divine does not convict us. The divine instead reminds us of the infinite and boundless depths of love, forgiveness, restoration, and reconciliation. We are offered precisely because we are being called once again into right relationship with God. In the midst of that moment, when we become aware of the immensity of the infinite love of God for us, we are being restored and reconciled in a relationship that is all about covenantal love. Not the kind of, if you do that, then I'll love you back. It's not that at all. It's I'll love you through everything you ever experience. Even unfaithfulness, doubt, anger, fear, wherever you are, I will be with you in love. And if we stay with this text from Micah. If we remain still and attentive, we will hear what I hear, I think, is a gentle voice speak. He has told you, O mortal, what is good and what the Lord requires of you. But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. What begins as a human construction, a courtroom scene, intense as it gets, where the defendant awaits conviction, becomes a divine scene of compassion and forgiveness, instruction and remembrance, restoration, reconciliation, and always from a place of love. All of the texts, each of the texts we have before us this morning... Whether it is the psalm, Psalm 15, whether it is the First Corinthians reading, and God knows that beautiful, powerful text from Matthew's Gospel of the Beatitudes. Never once do we hear the words, right belief. It is not about right belief. It is not about a checklist of what you believe, your orthodoxy. And practicing it in your head without your heart. It is not about right belief. But for the divine, the lesson in each of those readings this morning asks us to confront the ways in which we are in right and loving relationship with God, with ourselves. And with one another, and all we meet along the way. It is not about a test, and it certainly is not about carrying guilt beyond our capacity to bear. For God says, Do not do that. My message is that I will be with you always. In struggle and in pain, in grief and in loss, in fear and yes, in doubt, even in unfaithfulness, I will love you. And so I want you to live with that love in your heart and proclaim it in witness to the world. Are you and I willing to be healed? Are we willing to be healed? Are we willing to be restored and reconciled to God, to ourselves, and to one another? There's that beautiful phrase in the Eucharistic prayer You have made us worthy to stand before you. Imagine that. God has made us worthy to stand before God, before the love to accept that love into our heart and into our lives so that we become that very love in the world. Are you and I willing to believe with all our heart that the divine has no desire, no desire, to be judge, jury, and executioner? None. Only lover, reconciler, and redeemer. Will we accept this all-consuming love in a spirit of true humility, not the groveling kind, not the beating your chest kind, the sense of true humility that opens our hearts widely to receiving all the blessings that God desires to give us so that we become a blessing for others we meet along the way? Are we willing to do the hard work of being peacemakers, those who do kindness those who truly love mercy those who know what it means to come alongside someone else who is so much in pain and so downtrodden that we walk humbly and perhaps even silently present to them in love we become those who meet and greet then all the beloveds of god with that same spirit of humility, love, and reconciliation that Micah offers us in this text today, and each of the lessons do as well. May you and I enter into the deeper and more transformational message that we are offered today. May you and I give up our resistance, our resistance of God's desire to love us into holiness and fullness of life, every single step of the way. And may you and I enter into the deeper relationship, not only with God and with ourselves, but with one another and all the beloveds we meet in our journey. Today's lessons, all of them, each of them, remind us of all the ways in which our lives are truly interconnected and to inspire us to seek always and everywhere the commonwealth of the divine, the common good for all of God's beloveds. So may you and I leave this place, even with the struggles we endure in our lives, with hope in our hearts, trusting in the power of divine love to surround us wherever we will make our journey, as peacemakers, justice seekers reconcilers and lovers, walking ever more humbly and attentively than ever before. Amen. I invite you to stand and let us affirm our faith together. You, O God, are supreme and holy. You create our world and give us